Cootsies. We are uh, we're joined in the studio via Zoom satellite. Shout out to Zoom. Zoom. Uh, m- one of my favorite people to ever s- to ever walk the globe or any other planet in the solar system, Mr. Magnus Tingsek. Welcome to the show, Mr. Tingsek. Hey. Oh my God! You get pr- you. you get prettier with age, my friend. Oh man, that's not that's not true. I remember when I first saw videos of your music. I got into your music in probably two thousand nine, I think. And uh, I remember watching. I forget the song that the video is for, but it's a video of you skateboarding. You're just yeah, like skateboarding probably. behind. It's like in slow mo, and you're kind of singing. I was like, dude, bro, this guy is too handsome. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's unfair. What do you think of Julian's hair? Go. <laughs> I don't have words for it. Come on, dude. I'm trying to be a hot boy. You look super beautiful, man. <laughs> yeah, right, like a dude. Surfer dude gone wrong. Yeah, well, I am a surfer dude no, gone wrong. Great, great. <laughs> I don't trust. I don't believe you. Um, Maggie, we've been friends for many years. You, uh, you have uh been a a like an older brother to me kind of but also a peer we've toured together um we toured what's 65 shows in in a summer together uh almost i think we did um yeah something like that 65 shows in three months yeah Um, wow it's like uh no in two months because it was november december maybe october as well I don't think you could uh, do yeah, 65 shows. shows in two months. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if that's physically possible unless we were doing doubles. But it was. But it was. We had like five days off uh, in total. Yeah, nice. we we went for Never it. Never done anything quite like it before. Wh- what was that two or four? What were you guys doing? I think that was well, the, that was before we did Radius. So that would have been like the yeah. kind of the back end. Right. Like we first time we met met was in Philadelphia. Uh, Alan reached out to me through BJ, uh, your manager at the time. Shout out to BJ uh, Olin. Shout out. Yeah. Shout out. And um, he uh, he sent me some music, and uh, I listened to it, and I was blown away, obviously. It's like, who is this dude? And you sent me an email, I think, uh, telling me kind of the same thing, that but that you've been listening to me since 2009 for a couple of years. And then you asked me to come out on tour and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, that'll be great. Uh, and then two months later, I was on tour with you and we met for the first time in Philadelphia and I came out and I remember we were like, you just came at me like you were running towards me <laughs> and you're hugging me and it was just so beautiful and I think we've been like you've been one of my best friends since that day yeah man we've had a lot of uh, we've had a lot of special special time together um what was it like you had, had you hadn't done too much extensive touring in the states up to that point had you spent much time in the states on that tour that we, that we had done together mag before that tour yeah um no not really uh i did I was uh, I spent a month in Austin with Paula Nelson, oh, uh, yeah. Willie Willie's daughter, and cool. um, 
I got to know her uh, from a friend of mine who dated her at the time from Sweden, and he was over there studying. Anyway, uh, she heard my music, and this was, this is like 2002, something like that. I was 23. Mm. And she heard my music and really liked what she heard, and, and they come, came over to Sweden and visited, and we became friends. And then she she called me and asked me, can you... Do you want to open for Will and Nelson with me uh, for 65 dates? That's the same deal. Actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and I was like broke as I was on welfare. Uh, I was I was in the ditch at the time, uh, do, going nowhere musically. Um, so, yeah, of course I can. But can you come over next week so we have time to rehearse? <laughs> Like, all right. So I went over, they sent me, uh, they bought me a ticket and I went over and I stayed at Paul's house for, for like three weeks. And then, then we opened for him at the backyard in Austin and I was 22 and I was sitting in front of 15,000 people just by myself Whoa! together with Paul. And it was, it was crazy. So were you, and, uh, were you singing Paula's music or your music or a combination of both? We were, we were doing like an end around kind of deal. Oh, wow. Uh, so we sang her songs, and I did backing vocals in her tracks, and she did backing vocals on my stuff. Oh, that's it awesome! Truly, truly amazing. Yeah. Did you smoke some weed? With, did you smoke some weed with Willie? I did. I yes. Did. Uh, <laughs> oh. I, you know, I didn't meet him a lot. He was doing his thing, uh, but yeah, there was definitely some weed smoking. He has <laughs> this. He has this. Um, he built like with his friends, like an old ghost town. Luck. They have a they have like a festival there now. I think. Yeah, I think they do Farm Aid there every year now. Yeah. And they uh, there's like a stables and Grand Hotel and Saloon and it's like a stables with like 15 horses and his his friends are taking care of the place while he's gone and and he's got his studio uh, in Grand Hotel and we're recording in there and he's got all his memorabilia and stuff in there as well. So for me. Being from Sweden, never been to the States before ever. Uh, <laughs> growing up with like American television, television and all that, you know, uh, it was uh, <laughs> it was kind of crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sitting on the porch of the Grand Hotel outside of Austin, like tumbleweed is rolling by. <laughs> what a trip, man! <laughs> the tumbleweed even had an accent. Yeah, the tumbleweed had a drawl. Hey, Maggie. That's so funny, man. That, <laughs> that was like, crazy. That uh, Willie Nelson camp was the first one that you kind of got introduced into out here. <laughs> so, yeah, so awesome. Then we were gonna do the the sixty five shows. I, I went back to Sweden and we we're gonna do the sixty five shows like a month later or so, and then I got a call and canceled like his first tour since nineteen sixty two or something. Uh, so he canceled that tour because he got sick uh, oh, no. for some reason. Yeah, uh, and uh, I got to play two more shows with him in Norway, Denmark, the three more, Norway, Denmark, and Sweden. But anyway, you know. That's awesome. It was crazy. I did four shows with him, so yeah. Looking looking that. back so on that. That was my first. Sorry, looking back on that stuff, did, did that stuff kind of put you on the map for your musical trajectory moving forward because you said you were in like your early 20s at that point was that was that kind of like yeah. a pivot point for you well in my you know for my um self-confidence it sure was yeah i didn't get much traction from it because it was four shows and 
you know, I had like a newspaper in Sweden coming over, doing a thing because it's a cool thing for a Swede to, to be able to do. But but I didn't get much traction, and I didn't have like a record done. Uh, I was working on songs. I you know I, I really hadn't find myself yet. Uh, it was at least three four years after that that I found my true true sound and uh, who I then became as an artist. Who would you say that uh, those influencers are? I, whenever whenever I try to ex explain your music to people without showing it to them, uh, I say Maggie reminds me of a combination of D'Angelo and the Beach Boys. <laughs> and oh, <wow. laughs> that's like the best way I can describe you because your music has like, it makes my face go like this. If you can see my face right now, it makes me just like stank. But the 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 progressions that you choose the way you hear music is so deeply connected to that pet sounds record or the way it sounds to me really brings me back to that time when i first heard that that record were either of those artists like in the scope of your influence growing up or talk about that lineage a little bit uh maggie yeah. like what did you grow up listening to well, neither like D'Angelo or Beach Boys were in that scope when mm. I was a kid. Mm. Uh, obviously, I've I heard Beach Boys and I knew like their most famous songs. Uh, my my parents played a lot of music, um, not playing instruments, but they played a lot of great music at home uh, on their record player like all the time. Mm. So, but that was mostly Beatles. Like I grew up with the Beatles since I, since I was like a baby. Yeah. I was singing all the songs in fake English by the time I was six. So I think Beatles were my biggest influence. Uh, and then like all the, all the McCartney and John Lennon solo albums they had and they played constantly and also ELO a lot. Oh like, yeah. Which I had a, the major pleasure of seeing uh, two years ago in Dublin together with my brother. It was amazing. But yeah. Um, and like, not only that, my dad played, played as, uh, um, deep purple, mm. uh, and, uh, stuff like that. And my, then my brother, my older brother, uh, put me on when I was 11, he put me on to Led Zeppelin and, that kind of vibe. Um, so it was all over the place. I think Beach Boys and D'Angelo was definitely in the mix by the time I released my first album, for sure. Because I heard um, Voodoo and um, what's it called? Brown Sugar? Right uh, the first album, yeah, Brown Sugar. Uh, I heard those first two albums like the first time like a year before i released my first album and me and my brother were listening back to some of my old stuff uh the other week like the stuff i recorded before my first album and there's like a clear breaking point <laughs> where my music turned into like into soul mm. i've never i never did like soul music pure soul music but mm. I think like when I heard D'Angelo the first time, that like 
it blew me away. Uh, and the way he was using his voice, the way he he did harmonies, uh, and the way I've heard harmonies harmonies from the Beatles since I was a kid, kind of intertwined, and just something happened there. You could hear it when when you listen to my stuff, like from the beginning up until my first record. That's, that's the day I heard. James <laughs> cool. uh, that's when I heard that guy the first time. It was super clear and it was funny. Um, so yeah, definitely. D'Angelo and God only knows is my like it's my favorite song of all time with Beach Boys. Uh, it's a song I played to Anna, one my my future wife, when I posed to her eight years ago. Wow, <laughs> but it's still our song. <laughs> hey man, I'm ordained. You come over to the states, man. We'll get you hitched. Yeah. Wait um, a second. You got you you got engaged but never married eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, man! I didn't know that. That's crazy. We will marry, though. Is we she ready marry. to punch She's you in the nards? Gonna be my wife. No, I'm. You know, I'm. I'm the one who's telling her, like, please, let's get married. Oh really? But yeah, uh, it's not that she doesn't want to marry it's me. Not cold it's feet. Just, like we we had the whole wedding planned. It was all done. Uh, location, guest list, everything in uh, 2015, and we send out like save the date cards. I didn't get one. Oh, because I didn't know you at the time. <laughs> I'm out. Uh, <laughs> also, he didn't want you to come. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, um, well, I didn't know you, didn't I? Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, you did. Um, so in January, we send out those. We were supposed to get married on September 10th. And like one week after we got the news that Anna was pregnant and that our first daughter was going to come to this world on September 10th. That same date, so yeah, it got postponed. And wait, so, wait, back up. Your wedding was planned for September tenth, and yeah. Rio came. Rio's birthday is September tenth. Yeah. No wild. way. That's wild. That's pretty cool. Man, there's there's a there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, <it is>. there's, <laughs> there's quite a few serendipitous things yeah. that the surrounding your engagement, Rio, our relationship. Um. Songs that we wrote together. Yeah, songs that we wrote together. Do you mind me telling this story? I've I've, I've told it a hundred times. Like it's super cool. Would people be interested? In oh, dude, it's us. a great story, man. I think you, I think <laughs> yes. I think you should. Share I'll try it. to give the I'll I'll give this the the smaller version, but um, well, unless you want to tell it, Maggie, I don't know if you tell it differently. Yeah, I want to hear you tell it. Okay, I'm going to tell it. Yeah. So, uh, Maggie and I wrote. Um, many songs together for uh, my record radius but uh, we had one trip in particular where we had what we had thought was a finished record on our hands and then sure enough classic case scenario we sent it to the label and they were like yeah this is cool for the, this is like cool for the indie record store but where's the hits yeah. you know and uh, and we were like well we don't That's know how to write any of those man <laughs> um so we had one more session together. I think we wrote, I forget exactly which ones we wrote, but one song in particular that we wrote was a song called I Know That I Wasn't Right. Uh, it, it was, it, that's probably one of my top two or three songs on that record. I think American Privilege, Circle, and I Know That I Wasn't Right are like my top three tunes on, on Radius. I love those songs. I feel the same way. Um, the same way. But Maggie was in the living room just picking away on this acoustic guitar this uh, riff that 
come to find out, he had been playing since he was like 19, but it was, right? That's as good as I can do of an air guitar. Um, perfect. Um, and I, I walked inside. Uh, I obviously forget what I was doing, but right that moment just started singing, I know that I wasn't right. I know that I wasn't right. And a uh, half hour later, we had like pretty much written a song. It was me, you, uh, Steve and Maria, I believe, were there too, because uh, yeah, they, they helped us pen it as well. And uh, we wrote the tune, recorded it, and, and that was it. Um, the next day, we go into town, and we, uh, we come back, and standing at the door, Maggie's at the door, he's got like tears welling up in his eyes. I'm like, oh my God, what's going on, man? And he said, I just, I found out that my, my dad passed. And uh, we were like, oh my, this is, this is terrible. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, give us a hug. What, what do you want to do? Do you want to fly back home? Like, what, what's the situation? And um, Maggie, I'll speak for you on this one. I hope you don't mind. But Maggie and his father, towards the end of his dad's life, their relationship wasn't as tight as it maybe had been when they were young. And I had kind of known that as a friend that like, that that Maggie and his his father we had talked about that relationship many times during our sessions together and um and Maggie said no I want to stay and I want to just celebrate my dad's life tonight so we we had a party at our house and uh we celebrated Maggie's dad and he told us about all the records that his dad used to spin his dad used to just stay up late late at night listening to Maggie pick out Beatles songs on the acoustic guitar and and um Man, about six or seven months later, I'm touring the record, and I'm playing that song for people. And somebody asked me, he goes, man, what what'd you write that song about? And, you know, it sounds like you were obviously admitting guilt to something. And I was racking my brain to try and figure out exactly what I wrote it about. Because I, I know that I wasn't right. I wasn't, you know, me and Taz weren't fighting. I didn't have any riffs with... Uh, the IRS, you know, like there was, <laughs> there was no major issues in my life. And then I thought about the moment that that song came to me was right around the same exact time that your father would have been moving on into whatever comes after life. And I thought, man, I called Maggie right away. I said, Maggie, is there a chance that your dad, like, was in on that writing session? I mean, it sounds wild, but I was just overcome with the sensation that that was possible. And I think we both shared a cry together over the phone about that. Um, but what a, what a special song, man. And that, that was like one of my favorite writing sessions ever. Being up in the cabin, I still think about, so fondly about being up in that little studio in Chewila, Washington with you, Maggie, during that season oh, of our life too. together. Mine too. Like, can you imagine uh, not only writing all those songs we did together on those two sessions we had out up there uh, like a month? was there two times for i think a month wow i'm sure you guys have been asked this plenty of times but how like when when how often does that type of thing happen as a musician when you like when it just comes through you like that and it just you don't even know how that's the thing with writing music like half the songs i write i don't even know where it comes from wow and when someone asks me what does those uh, those lyrics? What do they mean? I'm like, let me think for a couple of days, and I'll you know I'll be able to tell you. 
Um, but this song, it was particularly crazy. Is that riff that I had? Hey! <laughs> Laying it down with the. He just. <laughs> Is it a banjo? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, like, uh, that's my Swiss Alp version. That's Bro, awesome. that was fire, dude. I feel, did we get that on the tape? I might sample that later. Boogie loonly boonly. Yodeling. Anyway, when. I had that riff, as you said, since I was almost 19, and uh, and I just played it and played it. And I never seemed to be able to find melody for it, or words, or anything. And I, I'm not kidding. I'm I, every record I've ever made, or every every songwriting session I've ever been in, uh, tried that riff out. Like, I want to make a song out of this riff. I've never been able to, and the riff itself I wrote for my aunt when she passed away. Oh no! Way. That the riff just came out, and it's the riff I just always called it Doodle, which which was her name, um, which adds another dimension to this yeah. whole process uh, of this. But and like you said again, when when I just well, let's try this riff. I, I swear, it took you, took you to the second time I played it, and you just had the whole thing. And you sang, I know that I wasn't right. The first thing you sang was that. It's not like you were sitting right, you know, you sat and wrote yeah, for it. Yeah, the first it. thing just, that came out. You just sang it, yeah. So, you know, I'm not a religious man, but, you know, that kind of threw me off. Uh, the grid. <laughs> right was, away, right away it threw you off because you kind of, you felt something there from that lyric? No, I didn't, you know, I didn't think about it at the time. Uh, but when Alan told me about it later on, uh, that's the thing. He didn't, you didn't think about it either. No. You were just writing. And then seven months later, anyway, so I'm religious now, by the way. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. That's just, uh, Same. You know, uh, no, not, but I believe in, um, uh, it's got to be something, right? And at least, you know, my dad is talking to me in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, man. So, through I, the music. I felt, uh, I felt incredibly lucky to have kind of shared that moment with you because um, I know how important your music has been to me throughout my life and how um, I'm a lyric person. Like, I really love and connect with lyrics, and uh, and your and a lot of your tunes, I could pick up that there was a relationship, some 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 sort of gap between you and your father in relationship. Yeah, and uh, I wrote a lot of yeah, you've written a lot, a, of, a lot of tunes music, about that, a lot of songs about him. Yeah, our relationship before he died uh, was very. Uh, he was uh, he was an alcoholic, and and he did all right with it when I was a kid, and he was a great father. But when he got older, and my parents got divorced, and you know it just it got worse, and um, so our relationship didn't really uh, didn't really work out uh, last ten years, I think. 
I still love them like to death, and I still I still do. Uh, he got this disease uh, that controlled him uh, the last ten years of his life. Um, so that made me write like lots and lots of music about that relationship. And then still after his his passing, I write music about him. Uh, one song I, I released just kind of recently in January uh, last year, a year ago, called Our Song is kind of my, you know, I've been writing about the hard times between us, but I, I saw this picture. Uh, I found this picture from cleaning out, like, uh, the house. Well, I found this picture. A picture with me and my dad is kind of rare, uh, but I just found it in the back and it was just a, such a beautiful picture we were hugging and looking into the camera uh and something just came over me and i went out to my uh, to my shed and i wrote that song our song and i think 15 minutes uh, like the whole song just uh just came out and two days later i recorded it and i think a month after that i released it and and that song is about like me trying to find the, the good, good mm. things, yes, uh, and all the beautiful memories I have of him uh, as well. Uh, because I kind of feel bad that I always, <laughs> I always sing about uh, you know the bad times and the the hard times that we have. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you're. Uh... <clears throat> I'm glad you're able to find those moments, Maggie. I think that's really yeah. good for healing. Coming from my non-professional opinion, um, I think that's good. I remember the night that you're, you found out that your father had passed. We, we had a celebration at our house. Yeah, and it was, we had a huge We were crying, though, and we're like all of us together. Paul and Sarah were there, and yep. uh, Tass, and... and uh, Rob and you know there's it's just a good group of people and yeah Stephen Murray uh, and my new American family mm. uh, and it got me so close to all of you as well um, it was just a, a very special moment uh, that sprung out of um, something really terrible um, and I'm glad we had that experience together uh, I'm glad I well. That sounded wrong, but you know what I mean. I, I'm glad we had, that I shared that night with you. Yeah, yeah. We were. Yeah. I was. I was really thrilled that uh, that you stayed. I think uh, yeah. in, in that moment, I was. I was. And the day I stayed one more day. I, I took my I took my original flight and stayed one more day. And then I when I came back home, um, and uh, Anna opened the door. It just. Then nine months later, my firstborn daughter came. <laughs> yeah, so that's what that was kind of the the segue was that you you got pregnant like must have been two three days after. <laughs> yeah, you got home from yeah. that trip and that's, that's um, it. Yeah. And you have you have uh, Rio, which is your oldest Beautiful. daughter, and then you ha you also have twin daughters as I well. Do. How old are they, Maggie? Tell the folks. They're two and a half. Uh, Two and a half years old. So, uh, two and a half year old human beings are 
yeah, special breed. They're um, for for the people that don't have kids. Like when you're two and a half year old, uh, things are starting to like you're starting to understand what things are. Like mm. you're starting to understand that this is my dad, this is my mom, that they love me, I love them. That's a that's a house, and that's a, everything is just. So, which, uh, which is amazing, but it's also like, it's really hard for them, which, uh, which comes out in uh, a lot of screaming, crying. Mm. Um, and it's multiplied by two. Nightmares, huh? And it's multiplied by two in your, in your it's case. It's multiplied by two. So yeah, it's, uh, and Rio, my oldest daughter, she's five. So she's going through some stuff as well, but they're, they're like, they're, they're everything uh, to me. Like they're like, now. I can't write about anything else than than them. So yeah. like my next record is going to be. <laughs> I was going to say, man. It seems like you write from a place of like visceral, like cathartic need to kind of like express whatever is happening in yeah. your life. Like it's just honestly coming out of you. You're not sitting down and being like, okay, I'm going to write a song about the politics right now or whatever. Like I, whatever it is, it's kind of coming straight from your heart, and that must be. That must be like really painful and really gratifying for the for for the purpose of whatever it is that's happening to you during those times. But I imagine yeah. having the kids and and writing about them at this point is is probably gratifying. I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I don't need therapy. That's for sure. Yeah. I. This is like uh, the the best ever. Um, well, I'm. Yeah, I do need therapy, but. Don't we all? <laughs> this is therapy, Maggie. Go for it, yeah, baby. This is this is it. <laughs> this uh, is public therapy. Yup. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's the only way I can write. And sometimes I feel, uh, what do you say, um, locked up, like lyrically a little bit, like mm-hmm. uh, emotionally. Uh, no, not emotionally. What do you say? Um, you know what I mean? I feel yeah, like, like writer's block or something. Yeah, well, yeah, in some sense, uh, apart from writing from my inner core, sure. that's like the only place I can write from. Mm. And sometimes I get outside of that room and I can look at, look at things you know, from a distance a little bit and I can write you know, little stories or whatever. I have a couple of songs mm-hmm. uh, written that way, but they never touch me uh, mm. the same way somehow. So I always write from that within that room uh, that need to express. Yeah. You can uh, tell, you can tell in your performance too, how deeply moved you are by your own material and and how you kind of (laughs) groove with it and how you get into it. It's almost as if like you're having an out of body experience and like this, this you're the vessel for the thing that's happening for you when you're performing. It's really cool to watch. And if people, uh, aren't familiar with your music who are listening to this podcast like you got to you got to at least watch a video of yes. this guy performing it's and I, unreal i want to give them i want to give the the audience at home the links to check mm. out because man one of the coolest concert videos of all time is what your is malmo festival concert video oh yeah you got like the 17 piece band you got like the quad horn section and (laughs) like three keyboard players bro and everybody's so tight it is like and the shots are beautiful your friend or our friend um 
I don't know why Marcus, I'm spacing yeah. on his name on his name. Marcus, uh, Marcus, yeah. Marcus, yeah, Marcus shot it, and it's gorgeous. It's out in the in the center of town in Malmo, where you live, and where we did a good amount of the recording of that record we did together, Radius. Yeah. God, what is your honor? I got to you. <laughs> I came out to me and Taz took a trip out there, man, and uh, I got to sing on that. That was just that was a blast, and it, it turned out so well, man. It it looks so good. I would anybody at home. What what do they Google? Just Malmo at or uh, Magnus Tingsek at Malmo? Just, yeah, just uh, just go to my YouTube page, uh, Tingsek. I think it's just. Tingsec. Yeah, Google Tingsec on YouTube. It'll be one of the top top videos to pop up. Yeah, seven. I think it. Yeah, the the series is called like Seven Songs. Yeah, that's what it's called. Seven Tingsec, songs. Seven songs. Oh, it's, it's so good. I think it's released on Spotify as well. Those live recordings. But oh, yeah, those, yeah, those were great, man. God, man, it must be such and, a thrill uh, for you, Alan, to be able to do stuff with and like be in the space with him and see that and get that influence from somebody like Magnus and. And to just feel that energy, oh yeah, because it's like it's it's magnetic and it's so cool. And even though I'm not a musician, I feel it just in your. Pre- I feel it honestly with that, like with you just being on a screen right now. Um, yeah, my favorite, my cool favorite thing. thing with Maggie. Uh, Maggie has like right now. Maggie's at in his new and improved shed, and he's like pretty calm and he's pretty chilled out. <laughs> but like when Magnus Tinkset gets excited, it's the. <laughs> fucking greatest <laughs> thing like if you could bottle up magnus tingset getting stoked about something it's like <laughs> cures, cures oh the my world god problem. it's so great maggie this is what i think i love when i first met you this was what i loved the most about you because you and i both share i think this commonality which is we love singing so much that on the first night of a tour, we will blow out our voice. We will sing so loud and so hard and try, and we're so pumped, we're so elated to be like playing and singing music and playing in front of audiences that we'll blow it out the first night. And for the entirety of the, like that tour we were on together, I think we were both trying to find our voice the entire, the entire tour because we blew it out the first week. That was hard for me, man. I'm <clears throat> talking about blowing up boys. Uh, yeah, that was hard because we, it's not like we stayed up all night drinking. It's, well, it's day, like we stayed up all night drinking, Maggie. We did. <laughs> we, we did, bro. Neither of us had kids. Neither of us were married. We were staying up all fucking night, bro. Till four. You know, tell. As I remember, we went to bed quite. Early. Shut the fuck up. Fuck up. Fuck up. <laughs> There's no way, bro. We were we, we were straight quite we early. were straight rage corn. I, I tell think, tell I them this time you, you tell a story about me, Maggie. The, yeah. I think you, the time I had in my head is when the bus left the town. Yeah. Like, that was let's go to bed. And it was like one. But then we probably stayed up another three or four hours. Oh day. yes, we sure did, man. Uh, we have a fun saying. We have a fun saying. We have a fun saying in our like touring band crew of everybody that was on that tour with you. So I think, actually, who's the only people still in the posse that were touring around then is just me and Trev. Because Swati wasn't on. Swati wasn't no, on that Swati tour with you. No. I think it was Swati, Brent Reznor, Jason Holt. Was Samson on that tour, or was he not Samson there? Was, Samson was on that tour. Okay, yeah. so Samson, and then Laura Jower. So it would be me, Trev, Laura Jower. We're on that trip together with you, and we, 
always say when we're traveling, where's my charger? <laughs> That's an inside joke for all the folk at home, but man, Maggie Tingsek must have lost his charger six times a day <laughs> on that trip. It was it was quite fun. And everything else I owned, I lost. I still lose everything. I don't scan where my stuff is, and she knows. That's the thing. She knows. It's on top of the third drawer from the left over at the and you know. That's your person, man. Oh, that's you a need catch, that, dude. Yeah, that's my person. <laughs> that's a catch. Uh, that's for sure. My role. But, yeah, we had yeah. a you know. Obviously, I know that we stayed up, but. <laughs> But in in my mind, I think it's the tour when I when I learned how to you know what do you say um, be disciplined how to keep my voice still like to be because I did tours before that were like four days long and mm. on the second day I had no voice no. so I had to like get medication for my throat mm. uh, but here we still did sixty three or sixty five shows and. In 70 days or whatever it was and my voice never like blew completely it was still there some nights were worse than others of course but but so that's why in my mind we, we were kind of chill but yeah we still got naked and <laughs> <laughs> cool <laughs> yeah i mean i think Not you know us and just you're, you're trying to speak Swedish. <laughs> somebody's somebody's hamskaton. <laughs> I don't understand how you guys do it, man. It seems so crazy. Alan and I went on a karaoke tour for like 26 or 20, I don't know, yeah, some, some type of shows. And, you know, we're singing karaoke songs and like Alan's singing some songs. So he's doing, you know, the, the majority of the singing. But like, I don't know what I'm, I don't have any strategy in, in this thing at, at all so every single night every single morning next morning i would wake up and we it was crazy circumstances that we were traveling and commuting to next shows in but i remember just being like dude i can't do this tonight man sounds like shut up dude you're being a bitch you got this man it was so crazy every morning you're just like well, yeah well full full disclosure though julian was <laughs> the hype men of hype men <laughs> yeah, on this tour. Out. Oh man, I he was I saw some clips. <laughs> he must have burnt 3000 calories a night mm. just running around. I still have I I think I'm going to frame it actually. I have the vest that you wore <laughs> yeah. on that tour. Just crispy from Dude, the sweat. Bro, it looks like it looks <laughs> like an old saddle from like the like the early <laughs> <laughs> Probably <laughs> Willie Nelson had one hanging at the Grand Hotel that looked in better so shape gross, man. than this vest. Yeah, it is awful, dude. Yeah, it was bad. And um, <clears throat> and he would scream. He would just yell and scream. I want everybody to wreck! You know, like straight up, <laughs> like hardcore screaming. And um, it's kind of like I mean I think that's maybe a. We, we all possess that same thing that like when we're in the moment and we're fully present on stage, we don't think we're not thinking about tomorrow. We're not right. thinking about our voice. We're not thinking about right. like, um, the third, there wasn't any chamomile tea in the green room. So I yeah. better not try for this note. Like Just leave it all we're out there. so present in the moment. And maybe you two are more thing. than I am. Cause I will, cause I now am in my head because I've toured so much when I'm on the road, I'm like, I better, I better take it easy tonight. I can't be stretching like this. Like I can't be going that it's way. Smart. <laughs> I mean, at this point you've, you've, 
you don't need to do that at this point. You've learned how to preserve your voice, and I'm sure you have too, Maggie. And it's yeah. it's that's important. And it's like it's it does it doesn't say that you're like preventing yourself from expressing and being free and leaving it all on the stage. You're just being you're just providing longevity for yourself so you can actually do it tomorrow rather than me being like and I, I don't know how the fuck we're gonna do this today dude i was like you're such a dumbass that, chill out tonight like me like for the, the last 20 years it's just now that i've started to to think about it and um i have a life coach and in, in my in my uh future wife yeah it's awesome stay up too late tonight baby um but the thing too, though, like even if I know, and even if, even if, like I have to go to bed now, and it's not that I want to panic, I just want to stay up and like breathe the air after a show and talk to people, and I'm mm. so pumped. Uh, same thing, just being out here uh, in the new and improved shed. Uh, you know, I know that I have to get up at six and to, you know, get all three kids to kindergarten. Uh, and I know that then I have seven hours in the studio uh, trying to finish my new record before I have to pick them up. But it doesn't stop me from staying up until 2, 2.30 anyway, <laughs> right. because I'm so pumped about making music or just chatting with friends or, you know. And I think to be able to do what we do you need that fire and you need that yeah. like you need that thing within you that never listens yeah mm. that child playfulness yeah and without it i would do something else mm. i'm i'm happy that i still have that yeah get it back alan i lost it a long time ago maggie <laughs> Quit oh, scheduling no, out how hard you're gonna sing. COVID, COVID got you. Kobe, no, it wasn't COVID, dude. I think it was, <laughs> it was my mid twenties. Um, how how do you balance uh, fatherhood, Maggie, with with three wonderful daughters at home, all under the age of six? I mean, I've got Rudy. I've got one child at home, and balancing fatherhood is it's not like it's not easy. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a difficult thing to do. And are there tricks that you have? Are there, how would you, how would you uh, guide someone like me who's early into this fatherhood thing? Um, I don't know. It's, you know, it's obviously very personal for me. It's what I, it's what we just talked about. It's that inner fire and inner beast that never wants to go to sleep. Uh, without, without it, I would be, definitely would be lost but since i got my first kid i've been very persistent with with uh the hours very persistent like mm. every day after we leave the kindergarten or after we um you know after eight in the morning i go to work and i work until four even if i don't have anything within even if i don't have a fire or a even if I don't have any music at all, I'm in the studio between those hours and I try to write or I'll, if I can't write, there's always a song that I can, you know, just work a little bit on or I can pull up an old song and, or I can listen to music. And, um, I was, when I had my first kid, 
I asked that same question to another friend of mine who who uh, who were in my position at the time, um, and he said, "If you don't have that like vibe when you can't come in in the morning, because I've always been working nights. Like I started my studio session at 6 p.m. and it finished at 3 a.m. Mm. Uh, that's when I had that vibe. So it was really hard to to find that new early schedule." Uh, almost impossible but he told me if you don't have a vibe watch a music documentary the first thing you do and don't feel bad about it like have a cup of coffee and watch a documentary about music like about people making music oh wow uh, preferably someone a band that you like or an artist that you like but just Susan Boyle yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> watch a Susan Boyle documentary it'll get you going man uh <laughs> But uh, but yeah, so I I did that, and then I, you know, it just after a year, it took me a year. Um, I was very frustrated. Frustrated. This was while I was uh, finishing. Thing is, too. Uh, sorry if I'm stumbling on my words. Uh, I was working on Amygdala, my last full-length album that came out 2016, when we got our first kid. So I and. I also like I produce everything and I play like most of the instruments and I sit in my own space and do it. So that's a difference as well because I always have something to work on. Mm. But and you do too because you obviously have a studio. But yeah, so I was finishing that up. So that was that was easy. I had to do it and songs almost there. Mm. But it... yeah, man, I just uh, pull those hours. And, uh, so what, what, what was the breakthrough after a year of you struggling to get the groove back going in there in the morning after you had Rio? Yeah, it took a year with just a couple of days where I found that help from the universe, mm. which you get while writing music. Uh, because I can't write music just by myself. I need the energy and the something and you know that like you know that idea that just pops up in your head from nowhere um and that didn't really come to me uh, between 8 you know five. a couple of times but then after a year or so while I was just still pushing those hours it did one day and then it did again and it did again and I kind of reset my clock somehow and the uh, universe knew that these are the hours he's working. So, yeah, I also. Sorry yeah. to cut, cut you off, Meg. I, I think that um, emphasizes something that I've always thought to be true is that, like, just showing up and putting in the hours. Yeah. I think people ask me, like, man, where do you find inspiration? It was like well you just go you go you don't like yeah. maybe every once in a while one one out of 100 times you're like struck by lightning on the tip of the nose and you show up to do something creative and it's like this is the greatest thing you know but my yeah. experience creatively is just showing up and doing it and doing your best to do good work but like yeah. i mean if i'm being totally honest maybe an eighth of the time I'm like legitimately inspired to do like inspiration oh, is an yeah. interesting thing because 
inspiration is like, I know that I wasn't right. That's what I take inspiration as. That song we wrote together felt super inspired. It didn't take any work. It was so easy. It just flowed out of us. There was no back and forth between like, well, maybe there's a major seven in there we're missing. Maybe the drum or the kick, you know. It was just easy. And it was done. Yeah. That to me is inspiration. But, yeah. but, but records, films, music videos, everything like... There's legitimate work that goes into it. Yeah, manufacturing. So and 90% of the, the work that goes into it is not a blast. Like, it's not, it's not, it doesn't flow right out of you scaling through like a thousand kick drum sounds until you get the one. Like, that's the most boring shit in the world. But showing up and doing it and put, planting your feet underneath the desk and going for it, I think that, yeah. I think that's, that's, uh, should be talked about more. It's the only way to do it. It's the only way to do it. Like, I think at least if I, you know, on the nine or ten songs that I'm going to release in May, uh, I think I have at least 250 or 300 ideas uh, that became nine songs. And that's a couple of years work. 300 ideas? Yeah. Wow. Just stupid ideas. You know, you have an idea that you just on the piano or the guitar, and then you don't find the inspiration of that idea in that idea at that time. Right. So you move on. But you can sit with it like an eight hour day, and then you come home feeling so unfulfilled. And you got to find that. That's where we come back to, to finding, uh, finding a way to, to balance the family and the work is that most like 70% of the time I come home from my studio feeling not great because I had a bad day because I worked on something all day and then the last hour I realized it sucks <laughs> like it really this really sucks and I've been like this could be something uh, but then I oh, no, it's not something I, I would have known I would have known I'm stupid and I feel really bad, and I and, and to be able to flip over and be a good dad and a husband and just be a good person every day after a day like that, it's it's hard, but I have to, and I want to. So I'm interested to um to dialogue about that moment when you go. That's not that's not any good. Because do you let somebody else in to hear you hear your stuff early on in stages to to give you an idea of whether stuff is good or not or or is it you keep it tight to your chest and it's only when it's at ninety percent that you let other people see it and get their opinion on it because so many tunes that I think like my, me personally the songs that i like the least on my records are always the songs that the public likes the most yeah and i'm that's all that's why you should never ask the public first. <laughs> <laughs> first. yeah i don't know man i'm so confused cuz it's like well who am i making music for am i making music for myself or am i making it for other people and because if i was just making it for myself it'd be so much easier Cause I'm like, yeah. you know, I'd go, you know, be a janitor and then just make tunes on the side or something if it was just for me. But like, I'm compelled to make music for 
a lot of I want to make a lot of people the more people I can make happy with one of my songs the better I feel but the but the trick is is that the songs that I think the public's really going to love they're kind of like yeah but the songs that I'm like there's no way that they're going to this is just so baseline are typically the ones that the public gets yeah. excited about how do you how do you what's that process like for you do you keep it pretty tight to your chest before um yeah, well, I don't like of, out of all the ideas that I have, I just I just start to work on some of them. Uh mm. and in that process of actually putting it down uh and recording it, uh I definitely get people in there. Mm. Uh Mons uh Mons then who uh, you know, uh, the keyboard player and right hand man, uh he has the I, I ran out of like a room in my studio to him and he sits just right beside me and uh, he's doing the, the night shift. So I always, you know, we, we write a lot together. I write a song and I have like a the base, base of the song and then he kind of colors it with this magical fairy hands. Um, and then I take it back and I kind of erase some of it because he went like, you edit sometimes and yeah. i just i want him to go there i want him to go as far as he wants i want him to be happy uh, while doing it i think that's that's when music becomes you know at its best it is at its best when everyone involved are happy making it mm. and feel like i want to get i want to have goosebumps you know for my own music because if i don't you know i'm not going to feel great uh, releasing it, uh, and if I don't, if I don't feel great releasing it, who, you know, I don't know, who's gonna, who's gonna like it? Uh, but I know that you and I have different uh, ways of looking at that because uh, we've talked about that many, many times. But you know, I could definitely pull up tunes that I knew would be easier for you know, the grand public to to accept <laughs> into their hearts <laughs> uh but it doesn't interest me and it's not why i make music yeah um, totally understand your point of view from it you want to be able to sing your heart out to as many as possible um but for me it is it's i want to i want to make something that makes me smile and makes me happy because that way i'm going to be able to do it forever and ever and ever mm. and uh to be able to to be just to be able to live off my music, I I own all my stuff. I have my own record label. I release it myself. Uh, I have a management who they take their cut, but they help me out with everything. Um, so that way, I can still you know make a profit and uh, live off my music and just build a fan base, because there are fans out there that really loves music, music made like that, and I think that if I went, uh, if I took a left turn and made music that I think would please a bigger audience, I would lose that mm. of, you know, uh, fans that I've been yeah. building up for, for the last almost, yeah, almost totally. coming up to 20 years. And um, it's growing every day. And in every, in every country in the world, there are vast amount of people really loves music and these times you know it's possible to get out there 
Oh, it's, no. it's never, never a better time. <clears throat> never, never a better time uh, ever to do no. to do art and music and creation exactly the way you're doing it. Yeah, um, Two hundred years ago, I would not have roof over my head. That's for sure. I would be a, a gutter boy. Um, I would play for for kings, maybe, but. You'd be <laughs> put up there with the Beethovens money. and the box, my friend. You'd be put up there right next to them. But, uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's a true uh, testament to your character, Maggie. It's it's uh, the way that you are an artist and the way that you create, um, the way that you kind of like viscerally feel the things that you do and watching you perform. Um, it's It's very... Um, apparent that you that you make music the way that you do, and that you're the artist that you are, and and that you're not doing it for anybody but for yourself. And I think that's uh, something that I hope to be able to instill with myself as an artist as I move forward. And I'm sure that Alan takes huge inspiration from you as well. And it's really cool, man. I'm I I have a ton of admiration for you, man, and how you how you work and how you do this stuff. Um, thanks for being you man it's awesome <laughs> thanks jules <laughs> thanks so much for those words it's awesome man i just i i admire the way that you create it's uh it makes me want to do li- live that way more and try to try to craft my own stuff from that place as well because i find that like the more i try and every, it's a subject to every individual right however they create it's for their own purpose and their own intention but I don't know. I feel like it, uh, if I create for me in the way that I want to uh, have myself be represented through the art that I do that is directly from this thing that I'm, that I'm coming from, uh, mm. it'll be like the, the result of people watching it will be a byproduct of that. Like I'm, if I tried if I try too hard to, to generate a fan base based on like what I'm trying to do and it's, manufactured by some idea that this is what people are going to like. I don't, I don't know who's, I don't, I don't want those people to like it anyways. I don't want those people to you like it. You can tell too. Like yeah. if someone is not being like truly honest uh, yourself, you know, but, but obviously you gotta make, you know, you gotta make a living and uh, there's that. So, and it's not, you know, I don't know. I think you both like, from what I know of you, you, you're true artists, artists that like speak your own language. And, uh, you know, Alan, you made, like, you could do, like you had a major label, uh, was willing to spend money and you could, you could work with any producer in the world and you, <laughs> you chose me, you know, so that's, that says it all, um, about what you want to do. Uh, the best so, some of the best music I've ever written in my life was writing with you man I'm that's I'm still to this day uh that's the, that's the most we once this covid situation straights up I'm going to be I'm going to be sleeping right there on that bed behind you in your Oh in your yeah new that's your bed right there right shed 2.0 Can I snuggle? <laughs> no. Come on. Yes. Um you but, can have a tent in the yard. Uh Okay. No. I, <clears throat> the couch. You're always welcome here guys both of you thank you man how are things how are things to to kind of side trail how are things in sweden in america we keep getting the you know sweden is seemingly the the country that is chatted about most frequently 
in the dealings of COVID-19 over here. Yeah, um, we're the ones who are doing the worst, but we're not. We're not. Yeah. How are things in your in Sweden right now how, with with this pandemic? It's kind of bad right now. Every other person I know either lost it or just had it. Mm. Um, most people come out like as if it was a whole. Uh, some people are dealing with worse uh, symptoms, but um, fortunately, I don't know anyone that that uh, asked from it. It was really, really uh, sick from it. But mm. uh, yeah, it's kind of. We're, we're keeping to ourselves here now, and uh, here in the south of Sweden, where I live, it's been, up until December, it's been kind of, you know, not that bad, actually. Uh, we've still been, you know, on our, on our feet about it, of course, uh, but the government here hasn't put out, like, uh, the same kind of restrictions that most other countries have, and um, kind of with a sense of we trust you. Uh, we we're not gonna put restrictions out. Uh, we just want to tell you that this is the way it is, and do your best to you know. Mm. Um, kind of worked, but then didn't work. But we have a you know we have a high percentage of of uh, deceased, but most of them are from uh, badly. Uh, what are you saying? Compromised immune systems. Old folks' homes, mm. uh, yeah. which is really, really bad. And uh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I try not to read up too much about it because <clears throat> get me too down. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm. I have a. You know, we we we're very fortunate. We we have a house uh, outside of the town of Malmo. Uh, where we spend time together and uh are like woods and uh, beach not not very far from here so we can take long walks and uh, yeah i work by myself in my studio and anna works like with one uh, person so we're kind of cool with that and then kids still go to kindergarten but like the high schools and everything above is closed down for now but yeah so it's kind of crazy you know we all know what it is. It's the same everywhere, except for New Zealand. I I read it's like killing it. Yeah, it's like yeah, they New don't have it anymore. <laughs> New Zealand and New Zealand and Australia have done a pretty good job. Islands, um, man. Islands, it, yeah. They got them closed a, borders all the way around. Is it a, a fa- is it affecting your um, uh, creative integrity or trying to make this this album that you're that you're coming out with has it has it kind of halted stuff or kind of influenced it in some kind of way a lot uh, because the kids aren't about aren't uh they can't go to kindergarten mm-hmm. if they have like a tiny little snot coming from their nose right which two year two and a half year olds like that's that's the daily yeah that's so, all that that's all that is on their face all that comes out from that <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, the drain so the, last year last year i was home with the kids uh full-time at least 20 weeks uh, 52 so and i was supposed to to you know finish my record last year um but that's fine though you know 
I love being with my kids, of course, but yeah, it's frustrating when you have a lot, a lot of work to do. And yeah. Ina Anna has been trying to <clears throat> go back and forth a little bit, uh, working, but it's hard with three small kids, three kids under six. It's yeah, I mean, both of us, uh, we both need to be there, um, which has brought us even closer than I thought was ever possible, uh, but in a good way. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been, yeah, you know, for us, it's been, it's been great. We're lucky. We're one of the lucky ones. Mm. <clears throat> awesome, yeah. Man. So everything has been postponed, obviously. And when, when it's supposed to be now with a record that was supposed to be already out. Well, when can we look forward to the record actually coming out? Uh, yeah, um, I'm seven songs in, and I need at least nine. But I already put out that I'm releasing it in May, so, so I, I got deadlines. Write at least, <laughs> yeah, you know, I got to write at least two or three more songs and record them and uh, finish them within a month and a half. So, you got this, baby. Yeah. You, you got, got a, this. You got to pull all nighter tonight, boy. Yeah, man. <laughs> what time I'm is it there right now, Maggie? A lot of all nighters. It's uh, it's the ten, ten twenty p.m. Are you gonna write tonight? Uh, I'm not gonna write. I might work a little bit on a song that I'm working on right now. Alan and I are kind of learning that we work really well with deadlines. If we don't have them, we're just yeah. kind of like, okay, True. we can do. We we don't have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then That's it's cool. amazing you know. how much you can get done when you're like, I got three weeks to make a movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. we made a movie. Whoa, <laughs> it's crazy. You know that's that's that that goes back to to that same thing about like balancing uh, having a family and making music, is that there, you always have a deadline because you have so much less time, mm. uh, and you just you just I have to finish this within the seven hours because then I have to pick my daughters up. Um, and I have no choice whatsoever. I can't call in and say I'm going to be late tonight because. <laughs> I got to pick him up. Right. So, so, and that, like I said before, the first year that was hard, but then that kind of, you know, amps me up a little bit. And same way with deadlines, actually. So, yeah, I'm going to finish it. You'll have a record. You'll have Can't a record. Oh, yeah. I still don't have a title. So, if you guys can come up with a title and text me later. Okay. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, Steve. We think you should call it Steve. <laughs> Um, so why are, why are your album called Steve? Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I was on this podcast. Great name and a great man. Just great, heard it. Great man and great name. I uh, that's funny because um, I think about that a lot. Actually, uh, Maggie, what you were talking about there. I have friends who had kids super early, at like nineteen, kind of on accident, yeah. and they are so much more of an adult than I am. Uh, and to me, w when I think about my 20s and how much time I wasted scrolling on the waste of time machine and with conversations that go nowhere and like, granted, I am who I am and I'm st stoked about it. Um, but I know for a fact that there's ways that I used to spend my time that were absolutely not necessary and completely a waste of time. But since having my son, time is so precious. Like, 
time and scheduling is so precious because not only do I need enough time to provide for my family, but I also need enough emotional time to provide for my family. And so the things that don't matter have like just gone out the wayside, right? Like I used to spend hours scrolling on the, on the grams or the, on the books or just where YouTube. Right. And, uh, I can't do that anymore. Like I li- physically can't do it. I just have no time. <laughs> I want to so bad. But I, I just want can't. to waste time so bad. If I could, I would. Um, I do too. You know, wasting time is it's a good thing. So. It's kind of fun, but I do envy um, at times people who were thrown into this life of raising human beings and being a responsible parent early because when they got, to my age, right? And like, I'm just learning it at 33. And now I'm like, oh, I gotta like, I gotta like put money away for later. And I gotta like save and I gotta like pay my credit cards on time. And I gotta do all this adult shit because this is how the world operates. In my 20s, I was like, I can drink all night and I'm <laughs> have unprotected sex. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, it's interesting. I'm kind of envious a little bit at times. Uh, uh, of people who were thrown into that because like I said, now I'm learning it in my mid thirties. I'm like, man, I would have been so much more optimal That's interesting. in my mid thirties if I would have been thrown into childhood rearing. I don't, I don't my, know if, I don't know if I it's something 20. that you should envy at all. It's something, you know, if, if you get kids early, you just, you just post Figure it out. Yeah. Scrolling. Like you post bonus. <laughs> yeah. Look at Paul and Sarah, dude. Those guys are just when chilling, 40, having the best time of their lives. You go crazy. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it was just a thing to talk about. I didn't really put much <laughs> thought into it, you guys. Look, I'm, I don't have kids, and I'm deciding to be uh, a child for the rest of my life because you know, you're I'm doing just going to have job. a good old time. and not. I'm going to keep bleaching my hair, and I'm going to keep looking what like a complete... Julian? What's what that? You, what are you up to except for bleaching your hair? What do you That's it. um i'm I'm living here man like i'm kind of i'm kind of here planted for a little while at least i i came out in the summer and we decided to start this podcast and then we made one movie already and we're making another one hence why my hair is bleached like this um and so who you're making movies with out there like with uh, yeah i'm not making i'm not like i'm not getting cast in movies i'm like alan and i have started this this like production team basically where we're making movies ourselves and so it's kind of like under alan's you know platform and uh they're like concert movies kind of like uh like moonwalker by michael jackson or something like that um you know you you're bringing concerts to like a, a narrative film and um yeah i've always liked writing and so i've written a couple scripts for these things and we've transposed them into films and we're having a blast, man. It's super fun, and I I got to get back to New York pretty soon because I think my uh, I forgot to I forgot to wash my underwear before I left, so it's just sitting crispy in my hamper. You left the toaster of four on months. Again. <laughs> um, but uh, sitting on a saddle. But yeah, I'll get back. I'll get. I'll, yeah, seriously, I'm gonna go try that vest back on again tonight, man. Um, but yeah, man, it's been it's been really interesting to kind of adapt to this COVID lifestyle out here and kind of leave New York City and be here and kind of plant my feet in Spokane with Alan and and Steve and, 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 you know, learn some new skills and, and, and really kind of figure out how easy it actually is to do all the things that we want to do. If we just decide that we 
are going to do them and give ourselves a deadline. Um, and it's not to say that we're the best at doing it by any means, but we're learning how to do it more efficiently every single time we try. And it's, uh, it's really inspiring, man. It's like, you know, we're tapping back, we're, we're making these movies and we're like tapping into these childlike uh, in- impulses of our own. And we're just laughing and having a f- the best time and clapping hands and just like looking across the, like I remember going on tour with Alan and, you know, we're singing karaoke to hundreds of people like across the country and we keep like acknowledging each other across the stage, just like, what the fuck are we doing? How are we, how are we able to do this right now, dude? This is so cool. We're 30 this years old so and we're singing. Stupid. <laughs> it's we're so awesome. Singing TLC songs yeah. every night. Yeah. And, and then we're doing cool thing, still. You, you did something that you love and you did something that were just like a fun thing for you to do, but it planted seeds that will grow. And, uh, and, you know, now you're here and you're doing these these movies and that's the way to do it. Fucking do what you love to do. It's it's amazing to hear and you just see your face while talking about it. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it and honestly, man, like in in all honesty, doing this podcast and getting to talk to people like yourself and getting to just catch up and be you know like r- reminded of the beauty of of friendship and people and mm. and and learning about other people's experiences that we wouldn't know otherwise just really giving ourselves a chance to have like concentrated conversations where we aren't looking at our phones and sitting at a table and waiting somebody goes to the bathroom it's like let me pull out my phone and sit on my device it's just like it's concentrated and it's it's intentional and it's uh it's just giving me kind of a new insight into what i want to be doing as a as an artistic person and um the, these conversations uh, as much as they're just conversations they're they're um you know really affecting me in a really positive way and and it's and it's helping me kind of like want more out of life because i because i learn from you you know and i get to i get to sp- i get to i just got to spend an hour and a half with magnus tingsek yeah and that's man. the coolest thing that we're doing this is the coolest thing man and oh, we just man, hope it feels so the same way for you to be able to, you know, we hope I that the people so that get to come happy. on can can feel that same when you way. Texted me, you know, when you texted me if I want to get on this podcast, I, you know, because I've been listening to it and uh, I've been trying to get a hold of Alan for like a year. And <laughs> Shut yeah, up. Just, just hit me up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and, Shut and up. Then, hey, Maggie, I just want to let you know. I got a text from. Uh, sorry, continue. I, I apologize. Then I got a text continue. from Julian asking me if I want to get on this podcast and. Yeah, it literally made me cry, laugh, <laughs> cry. Yeah, uh, no, I no, but I was so happy about it, and I'm I'm so happy to talk to you guys. Uh, I only call you when I'm in the shed, Alan. So I understand that you don't pick up. No, stop it! <laughs> listen, pick it up. No, boy. listen. <laughs> Julian lives downstairs in my house. And he knows that if he wants to get a hold of me, he texts Tara. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's just how it goes, man. Like I said, I mean, I've given, I'm giving up the phone. Um, (laughs) Maggie, uh, dude, thank you for uh, your friendship. Thank you for your um, your guidance, for your overwhelming ability to bring joy to whichever situation you you find yourself in um thank you for the the wonderful memories uh that we've shared together 
and uh, thanks for making music, man. You've you've brought many, many, many wonderful emotions into my body via your your abilities on on instruments. Same. And uh, um, thanks for joining us on the show. Um, oh my! Check out Pleasure. check out uh, check out Tinksec online. T i n g s e k. You can find him on the grams. You can find him on the tubes, the YouTubes. Um, he might have a Facebook popping around every once in a while, but uh, follow him on Spotify. Check out his music. Amygdala is his most recent release. Um, that's his best work yet. I'm going to say it right now on this show. Okay. That's your best work yet. And I can't wait to hear what you come up with next, man. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Amygdala is my latest uh, album. And then I have a couple singles out this year, uh, January and March. But yeah, check it out. It's been so nice chatting to you. I could go on for ever uh, but let's catch up sooner let's again, do it okay? we'll do just it again hit, just hit me up dude <laughs> shut up no don't you do it i'll, I'll get i'll get us both in a room <laughs> gotta get better chat. both me and steve have to get better at the phone yeah we know it. instantly last week i texted you jules hey can we uh you know yes yeah uh, just get on to, that's because yeah, i'm uh, uh that's because I, half an hour i was like what really yeah that's because <laughs> i'm reliable Oh yikes! <laughs> yikes! I love you both. Thanks uh, for uh, thanks for reminding us to uh, you know be be better artists, man. It's yeah, awesome. There he is. Got it. There he is. <laughs> there he is. All right, love you, love you, Maggie. We'll talk soon, baby. Love you, dude. Hey guys. Oh, Laura, Hold come on. over here. Laura, Say hi. Here. Oh really? Hi. I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> love it's you a family bud. affair thanks so much for the talk man love we'll you buddy hey we'll please please squeeze those babies for me and uh give anna a kiss i love you guys love you too buddy later dude Mwah. oh boo boo did you just make it to the end of the video yes you did do you want to see more videos just like this one huh do you well then head over to patreon.com slash live at the lodge where you can support the how goods of this podcast as well as the entire live at the lodge family Yep, yeah, you're going to get exclusive merch, personalized shout-out videos. Me and Jules, we're going to show up at your house and baptize your nephew, huh? Check it out, patreon.com slash live at the lodge.